Hallelujah. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Is there anybody on this Sunday morning that worships and glorifies and praises the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need a healing today, Jesus can give that. If you need deliverance today, Jesus can give that. If you need God to make a way where there seemeth to be no way, Jesus can do that. If you need him to clear up that mental anguish that has plagued you even to the moment you walked into this building, I serve a God that is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Hallelujah. What a beautiful name it is. So if you're a guest here today and you look across the aisle and there's someone with lifted hands and tears flowing, when we talk about the beautiful name of Jesus, it's because they've been there. Dire straits. Front door locked, back door closed, windows locked down tight, back against the wall when all we could do is look up for our redemption draweth nigh when you put the earthly into the realm of the heavenly that's where the supernatural takes place we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us hear me today church God God is in this place today And he is here to do exploits if we will open up and allow him. Praise God. Praise God. If I could take you back in time to the 1840s. There was a hospital in Vienna, Austria. And there was a doctor there named Ignaz Simmelweis. And he started making observations where the maternity ward is concerned. There was one side that was for people that were financially able to pay. They had doctors. But there was another ward that was for the less fortunate. The people that just had to be on welfare, so to speak. Their their modern day Medicaid system. And he made an observation. He said... I'm, I'm looking at the side that has the doctors and all the, the refinements and the mortality rate of the babies and the mothers 
are exponentially higher than the side that just has midwives. See, the doctors where all the, the, the money folks were. These moms and these babies had a 90% chance of death. But on the midwife side, they weren't dying. And so this, this doctor says, I wonder, I wonder what it is. What, what's causing that? So the hospital starts losing money because all of the mothers got wind that if you go on the doctor's side, you're going to die. But if you go on the midwife's side, you're going to live. And here's what he traced it back to. The doctors didn't go to the maternity ward until the evening time. In the morning time, they were in the morgue doing autopsies on dead people. And they did not wash their hands between the mortuary and the maternity ward. And so all he said is, guys, once you've been touching on death, all I need you to do is wash your hands before you try to touch life. And once he finally got them to wash their hands, the mortality rate went to near about zero. Let me tell you this, Truth Church. We live in a world that is nasty. We live in a world that is filthy. We live in a world that is utterly detestable. But God said, if you're going to come in here, that's why between the altar and the tabernacle, there was the laver of water. And he said, if you don't wash your hands before you come in, you shall surely die. So before we go any further, could I share the sentiments of the Apostle Paul? And could we lift up holy hands unto him without wrath or doubting? Come on, David said, with clean hands and a pure heart, am I coming into your presence? God, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. But if by some slim chance we have made contact with death along the way, let us cleanse our hands. Let us wash our hearts. Let us be purged with hyssop that we might be whiter than snow. I pray it right now that we have a readiness to receive your word today. Hallelujah. 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 And praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> I'm glad to be at Truth Church on this Sunday morning. From South Louisiana to North Texas. The first time I ever preached, I think I was about 20... 26 or so, the first time I ever preached at, at Truth Church. And I know I only look 27, but I'm 43 now. I still had a little bit of hair back then, and I still got some now. We just, we just shave it. I told my church, I don't believe in, uh, I don't believe in once saved, always saved. It's not, it's not in the book. You, you gotta, you gotta update this. It, it's kind of like 
Uh, I don't believe in once shaved, always shaved. I'm, I'm going to have to do some maintenance on this. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Yeah. Or, or it's kind of like, I live in this stuff called flesh too. Is it once bathed, always bathed? <laughs> no, no, baby. You, you got to keep up with this or you will get funky. You got to keep up with this. And I thank God for the church today that you, you're keeping up with it. You're definitely keeping up with it. And um, glad to be here with our greatest friends on this planet, the Gilberts. And, and watch this. I still... I still remember walking into that hospital room the day after you got diagnosed. And I, I walked in and I said, when you're cancer free, we all go into London. I said it. When, you, when you're cancer free, we go in on a vacation to London. Three weeks ago, we took that vacation. Yeah. So if the last few weeks she's been talking with a, a British accent, waving to you like this, that's why. That's why. Also glad to, to see Bishop and Sister Gilbert today. Love them. Love them so much. And um, my, my dad made the journey today, and I'm grateful for him. Yay. Yeah, and as you can see, he don't believe in once shaved, always shaved either. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, did tell, I did tell your pastor, I said, um, after today, I ain't coming back. I ain't until he comes and preaches for me. Look, he has a, he has a standing invitation. If he called me and said, hey, uh, it, it, it was like an hour before church. Hey, I just landed in New Orleans. I'm preaching for you today. It wouldn't matter if I had a guest speaker. They're going to take a seat and he's going to preach. So we're trying to get a date worked out. Look, I want him. I want him on December the 31st. That, that's the last day of 2023. So my church has to deal with me being gone today. And they miss me very much. Or at least I hope they do. It'd be a bad thing if that pastor's gone. <laughs> so so y'all just gonna have to deal with them being gone on uh, on December the 31st. Will that be all right? Yep. Where's Jordan? Yep. You, you can preach uh, December 31st. Yep. See? That was so simple. That was simple. So he, he didn't schedule it, so I just scheduled Is that okay, Bishop? that okay, Mama Gilbert? Yep, see? We did it. It was, just, it was that simple. Don't complicate nothing. Y'all can pop fireworks without him. Do you write your name? Write Pastor and the sparklers and, you know, it'll be good. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, 
and uh, verse number 19. Genesis 3 and verse number 19. While you're turning there, I also have the love of my life with me. She, uh, she don't travel with me much anymore, and uh, she's, she's a nester. She's a homebody, unless it comes to vacation. Now, she's all about some vacation. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I'm glad that she made the trip with me. We will soon celebrate 23 years of marriage. Yeah, man. And we've got, uh, we've got three kids, and um, our oldest is 19. And then we have uh, 16-year-old twins, and all three of them have vehicles that have full coverage insurance. So pray for, pray for me when I make those insurance payments. All that money for just in case. We got church insurance. We got vehicle insurance. We got health insurance. We got life insurance, which I really don't get because if you have car insurance, it'll replace the car. You got house insurance, it'll replace the house. You, you got uh, health insurance, you know, it'll, it'll pay the bill when you have to go to the doctor. But life insurance, it ought to replace the life. That's how this stuff's supposed to work. But it just benefits those that get whatever you leave them. So, pray for that. Pray for that. Yeah. I'm going to go to Genesis 3 and then uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll take something out of the old and, and the new. Genesis 3, to give you a, the setting of this scene, Adam and Eve have just, or Adam and the woman, rather, she's not named yet. Adam and the woman have just eaten of the tree. They hide themselves. God speaks to them, and then he lays out the curses for Adam and the woman and also the serpent. Then he says in these three verses here, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it thou wast taken. For dust thou art and dust shalt thou return. Adam called his wife's name Eve. This is when she gets a name because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go to verse number, number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse number 10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We are weak, but you're strong. You're honorable, but we are despised. 
Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and the off-scouring, that, that's the scum or the, the scrapings of all things unto this day. So, so Paul said, no matter how high and lofty you become, no, no matter how, how many blessings you have, don't ever, ever forget what you're made of. Don't ever forget where you came from. And see, today, I know you see the, you, you see the, the, the suit, the tie, the shoes, wh wh whatever. But I can still remember February 3rd. 1998, my senior year of high school, after being arrested twice, going to my room and falling on my face and saying, God, if you're real, help me start over. Help me have another chance. And so God tells Adam something that sometimes we just skip over. He said, dust thou art and dust shalt thou return. Sometimes in our minds we look at it like this. Dust you used to be, but now that you're living, you're not anymore. It's not what God said. He said, dust thou art. As in, you still are. And dust thou shalt return. Even though all of us today, we wear these garments of flesh, we are still made from the dust of the earth and he said dust thou art and dust shalt thou return so this morning I want to give you just a, a return to the dust would you put your Bibles down and would you lift both hands high in the air and let's ask the favor of Jesus to be in this building today God I love you so much and I thank you for your presence your power I thank you for this beautiful congregation today that has come with hunger, that has come with thirst, that has come with excitement and enthusiasm to get a word, a now word, that God, I pray, would be fitly spoken like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Your word will never return void. It will always do what it is set out to do. And I pray, God, right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight today. Give us all ears to hear what the Spirit God has to say to the church today. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If we go all the way back to... The beginning. And when I say the beginning, I'm talking about Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And 
God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the first day of creation. God speaks into existence a mud ball, if you will, that we call planet Earth today. It takes shape. It takes on a form. Days two and three, there is the separation of the firmaments. He makes the possibility for there to be water on the earth and water in the skies. One that would provide the places for us to drink from, the places for navigation and the, the other for precipitation to rain down and feed those things that live on the planet. But then there's something that, that I want us to understand that happens on that particular day. God said in Genesis 1 and 9, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place. And the Bible said, let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. So he lets us know early on that if there is ever going to be something that has the capacity and the ability to bring another thing forth, then I can see that it's going to be good. So watch this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. After that, there was not another original creation that was made. When he wanted to make the fish of the seas and the fowl of the air, he did not say, let there be fish and birds. The Bible said he spoke to the waters and the waters brought forth the fish and the fowls. He did not say, let there be cattle and insects and creeping things. He said, let the earth bring forth the cattle and the creeping and the insects. And so he speaks to what is bringing forth and then it becomes the creative force that brings that existence into being. And so he speaks to the water and there's fish and birds. He speaks to the earth and there is mammals and insects. But when it came to you and I, he speaks to himself. Get us make man in our image after our likeness. So watch this. If you take the mammals out of the earth, they die. If you take the trees out of the earth, they die. If you take the fish out of the water, they die. So what do you think happens if you take us out of him? Ladies and gentlemen, on this Sunday morning, I share the sentiments of the songwriter when he said, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Is there anybody on this Sunday morning that knows beyond the shadow of a doubt, I've got to have God. I've got to have Jesus. I've got to be in him, and I know that he needs to be in me today. 
so, so watch this. Let, let's go to where there is the fulfillment of Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. But then he says in verse 27, so God made man in his own image. Then you have Genesis 2.6. The Bible said there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Right here, ladies and gentlemen, is where you and I have to understand that this is a message about repentance that is commingled with remembrance. If I ever get to a place in my life where I feel I'm about to lose my ever loving mind if I ever get to a place where I feel like I'm at my wits end the end of my rope God is giving us an occasion to go back to the very beginning and start all over again I know that there are mistakes I know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but he said if you'll return to the dust if you will just go back to the day I created you. I'll give you a brand new start. I'll give you a new beginning. For dust thou art. And my God, somewhere along the way, dust, you've got to return. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, you find Jesus teaching the parable about the sower and the seed. One seed falls by the wayside. One seed falls among stony ground. One seed falls among the thorns and the thistles. And then that final seed falls on good ground. That wayside seed had a location problem. That stony seed had a lacking problem. The seed that fell among the storms had a limited problem. But that seed that fell on good ground was able to find life and life more abundant. And so let me tell you about the wayside seed. It fell in a place where it was not able to grow. And that's the reason why it did not bring forth much fruit. Then there was that seed that fell among the thorns and the thistles. In other words, it had too much competition in order to grow. Could I tell you what Jesus said in Matthew 6 33 but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you then there was that seed that fell among stony ground he said you know what the problem is if you want the seed to grow it's gotta have dirt I want somebody in here to understand if there is a word that goes forth and it's in this place he said I'm not going to waste it on the wayside I'm not going to waste it in the shallow soil I'm not going to be in competition with anybody I'm going to put a seed in some dirt that when it comes forth it's going to take root down and it's going to bear fruit up I'm looking at somebody in the building that said I brought my dirt today 
today. I brought my dust today. And as long as you put out a word, baby, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. It's going to grow. Because God knows what can happen when his seed gets in the dust. He could have put his seed anywhere, but he put it in dust. He could have put his seed in sanitation, but he decided to put it in dust. He could have put his seed in gold or diamonds, but he put it in dust. Let me go to this season that we're entering in next month. Well, we call it Christmas. And if you know your Bible, Jesus was actually born in the summertime, but we celebrate him in the wintertime. Oh, read the book of Luke and you'll see what I'm talking about. But, but let's just pretend for a while that, that he was actually born in December. Check this out. I see Mary and Joseph right now. I see them knocking on the door because as we say in South Louisiana, mama was about to domino. They, they, they knock on the door and there's no room. They, they, they try to go to the hotel and there's no room. They, they look to the hospital and there's no room. All we got is a barn. All we got is a food trough. And he is born in a stable and they live laid him in a manger he was not looking for refinement he was looking for the dust of the earth and I hear God saying on this Sunday morning I don't care how nasty your situation is I'm looking for some dust I don't care how bad it stinks I'm looking for some dust I don't care how many germs are in the atmosphere I'm just looking for a nasty place that I can show Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You know where that corn of wheat fell? It fell in the dust. You know where you are on this Sunday morning getting a seed word from God? You are in the dust. And sometimes in life, there are paths that we walk. There are roads that we traverse that put a separation between us and the dust. Why do you think when Moses got into the presence of God, God said, I love you, Moses, but I need you to take your shoes off because the place that you stand is holy ground. You know what God was saying? He said, I need you to put your feet on the source that originally gave you life because when Moses got to being lifted up and he saw the power of that rod and he saw the power of his stuttering voice he could have gotten lifted up in an egomania but God said take your shoes off Moses I need you to be in contact with what I made you out of you could have died with all of the other Hebrews but I put you in a basket I got you raised up by the Pharaoh and now I've got a job for you to do when you get in contact with the dust God will give you an assignment to let my people go my God have mercy
see is there anybody in this building that you are on the precipice of forgetting about where you came from it's time to take your shoes off and get in contact with the God that forms you from the dust of the earth and and watch this return to the dust Moses would lift up that rod and the Red Sea would part and the Bible said that they walked through on dry ground now my dad's here today and he can testify for some strange reason when I was growing up my mom wanted it wasn't snow white it was almost white white carpet And nobody was allowed on the white carpet with their shoes on. And when me and my brother had to vacuum it, it was with military precision. You had to make sure the triangles was all left in the carpet fibers. And you could tell if somebody had walked on it. It left footprints. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why do you feel the Holy Ghost? Because I'm about to preach about some carpet, but I'm also about to preach about some dust. The reason it was dry ground is because on one side of the Red Sea was their past, and on the other side of the Red Sea, there was the future. And if it was wet ground, they would have tracked mud from their past into their future. But God said, I'm going to make a dust path for you to walk on because I don't want your yesterday being tracked into your tomorrow. I don't want Egypt and Canaan and I don't want Canaan in Egypt. My God come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord of hosts. If you need Egyptian to die, it's today. But they will not die in the mud. They only die in the dust. Return to the dust that's why in Genesis 13 he said I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered he said arise walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee Oh my God have mercy. I wonder how big Israel would have been if Abraham would have just kept on walking. Let me just tell you about Israel today. It is just a spot on the map because he got tired of walking. But let me tell you something baby. If you tell old Travis wherever you walk I will give it to you. I'm going to start walking in Denison and you're going to catch me in North Carolina. And when I get done there, I'm walking all the way to San Francisco, baby. There needs to be some people. When God gives you a promise of dust, do not stop walking. Your promise is in the dust. Your promise is in the dust. Let me say it again. Your promise is in the dust. Why do you think David said, he, he didn't say, he, he didn't say, look, look to rocks. He, he, he did not say, 
look to mountains. He said, I will look unto the hills. What's the difference between a mountain and a hill? A mountain is a formation of rock, but a hill is a formation of dust. He said, your answer is not in the heights of the Appalachians or the Rockies. It's not in the heights of the Alps of Switzerland. He said, all I need you to do is look to a big pile of dust. Because if I can do all of this with just a little dirt, a little water, and a little wind, what do you think I can do in your life right now? My God have mercy. I'm preaching to somebody that needs to return to the dust. The prophet hears from God. Aren't you grateful for a pastor that knows how to hear from God? In the name of Jesus, the prophet hears from God. I've chosen a king and it's not going to be what you think. It's going to be what I want. Well, if I show up, that they're going to think God's mad. That they're going to think God is upset. He said, all you got to do is show up and tell them I come peaceably. And he goes, to, he, he goes to Jesse's house. And before he gets there, he sends word. Sanctify all of your boys. Because the king is one of them. And the Bible said that they got to go in and they got to take a shower. That they got to put on some D.O. for the B.O. That they got to spray that, that cologne on them. And the prophet shows up and he looks at the first one. And this guy is a stud. He's tall. He's got muscles on top of muscles. And, and the prophet said, oh, surely this is him. This is him. And that's the part where people, people use this scripture to get away from holiness. God does not look on the outer appearance as a man, but God looks on the heart. But let me just tell you this. Man looks on the outside. God looks on the heart. I can't see your heart, but everybody else can. And the outside is a mirror image of what's on the heart. Why do you think Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We don't look like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't dress like the world. We don't gather like the world. We are the church. And it's not him. It's not the second. It's not the third. And with every progression, it's like the market value decreases. It's not the fifth. It's not the sixth. It's not the seventh. And so watch this. The prophet looks at Jesse and said, is this all you've got? And he said, well, I've got one more. And, and he's tending the sheep right now. You know what the prophet said? He said, nobody's going to sit down until he gets here. 
And so they send word. I don't know if they rang a bell. I don't know if they blew that shafar horn. But whatever David heard, he knew that it was time to go into my father's house. And watch this, y'all. I'm about to smack mouth preach. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Everybody else got to get a bath. Everybody else got to put deodorant on. Everybody else got to clean up. But when David came in, he had dust from the top of his head down to the sole of his feet. And the prophet of the Lord said, kneel down, boy. I'm about to pour oil on you. You're the next king of Israel. I'm preaching to somebody. Stop trying to get good to get God. Just get God and he'll make you good. I'm looking for somebody in here that said before church, I will do a work, but I got some things to work out. I will do a work, but I got some things I got to clean up. Shut that mess up. Get in here and let's build a church that the gates of hell shall not. Just return to the dust. Fast forward to the New Testament. Similar scenario and right now you're going to feel the heartbeat of a shepherd today. You see it's not the parable of the lost sheep and then the parable of the lost coin and then the parable of the lost son. No, no, no. It's one parable with three degrees of lostness. You see the lost sheep was one out of a hundred but God still cared. The lost coin was one out of ten, but God still cared. The lost son was one out of two, but God still cared. You see, you could have a hundred sheep, and I take out one, and you'll barely notice. Oh, but that shepherd knows. You can have ten coins and say, nine will be just fine. But God notices. But when you get into the father's house and you ain't got but two sons and one of them's gone, there is something that is drastically different. But could I tell you on this Sunday morning, the shepherd said, I don't care how dirty I gotta get. I'm gonna leave the 99 and I'm going after the one. I don't care how long I gotta dust the house. I'm leaving the nine and going after the one. And the moment, the moment that it was time for the son to come back home, the shepherd couldn't go after. The house was already clean. The Bible said he had to come to himself. He went from give me to make me. Things had to get so bad for him to realize things weren't so bad at daddy's house. Oh my God, I feel this. I feel this strong for a mom and a dad that's got some wayfaring children right now. And you have, you have thought that they were lost sheep and you've tried to go after them, but it didn't work. 
you thought they were a lost coin and you have cleaned your house from top to bottom and they do not turn up you have tried to bail them out you have given them money you have supported them you have paid their attorney fees you have done everything that you possibly can to try to get them back home but I'm here to tell you do not leave the house because that would just create another fatherless home I need somebody to understand that the moment they get ready to come back there is no stopping them what you need to pray instead is God make their life so miserable that they realize I got to go back home and when that son came I got a feeling his father was waiting and they killed the fatted calf but watch this they put a robe on his dirty body they put shoes on his nasty feet they put a ring on his filthy hands they let him know it's about the dust it's about the dust it's about the return to the dust sometimes things have got to get far worse before they get better I'm reaching for somebody that feels like the only way you can be used of God is if you're flawlessly perfect let me tell you something church none of us will ever attain absolute perfection until that great getting up morning and for those of you that will say well the Bible said that God will not dwell in an unclean temple I've searched from Genesis to Revelation and that is not in this book because the moment he filled me with the Holy Ghost I am an unclean temple and without him I am nothing it's the ghost that cleans up the body it's the ghost that cleans up the life it's the ghost that cleans up my spirit (laughs) my God you go you go into the Old Testament you go into the can y'all handle some more dust y'all handle some more dust I got a lot The Bible said there was a man named Ehud. And at this particular moment, God gives him an assignment. He said, you're left-handed. So I need you to strap a dagger on your right thigh. And that that old evil king, Eglon, it's time for him to die. And the Bible said that he goes and he meets Eglon, the king of Moab. Verse number 17 of Judges chapter 3. This is King James. We didn't say he was obese. We didn't say he was fleshy. We didn't say he was pleasantly plump or heavy on the hoof. The Bible just comes on out and says it. He was a fat man. But watch this. Watch this. He goes in. And he's sitting in his summer parlor. He's just living it up in the lap of luxury. And in verse number 21, the Bible said that Ehud grabs that dagger from his right thigh with his left hand and thrust it into his belly. And the Bible said the haft went in after the blade and the fat closed in around it. 
so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. And the Bible said the dirt came out. Oh my good God. You know what I'm trying to do on this Sunday morning? I'm just trying to let you know you still got some dirt in you. And if I got a dagger, it's going to bring out the word. Oh my God, I feel like preaching. When the word goes in, the dirt is coming out. I said when the word goes in, the dirt is coming out. The more I preach, the more you're realizing that God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. The more you... The more I preach today, the more you got to realize I'm just made of dirt. I'm just a vessel. And without God, I am nothing. Return to the dust. Now, now, now watch this. The Bible said that Naaman was captain of the host of the king of the Syrian army a mighty man but he was a leper picture this when Naaman left his house he had armor on he had a helmet on he had gloves on he had all of his all of his medals on his chest people knew his voice he was a mighty man in valor but he was a leper. Everybody reverence Naaman. We got to listen to him. We got to obey his commands. What a warrior. What a soldier. What a vibrant human being that we're able to follow. But when he went home and he took the armor off, his wife, his children all saw who he really was. It's not enough for me to just be apostolic in this house. I need to be apostolic in my house. It's not enough for me just to be able to pray in this house. I need to be able to pray in my house. It's not enough for me to shout, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, in this house. I need to be able to say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, at my house. It's not enough for me to just lay hands on the sick for everybody in this building. I need to know that when my wife is sick, I'm apostolic enough to say, baby, get the oil. I'm about to anoint you. What about my three kids? When the fever's on their brow, I need to be apostolic enough to walk into their bedroom and say, Sickness, you got to go. And the Bible said, the Bible said that there was a little maid in the house. And she said, You know, when I was in Israel, I met a prophet. I know a man. That if you could just have an audience with him, he'll recover you of your leprosy. And so he said, let's make the journey. He knocks on the door. How many of you know his ways are not our ways? His thoughts are not our thoughts. The Bible said that he sent a servant out. And he looks at him and says, the prophet's in study. He's praying right now. But he told me to tell you, go wash in Jordan seven times. And you'll be clean. And Naaman 
captain, leper, gets mad at the prescription of the man of God. And sometimes you might get mad at the prescription of the man of God. Why not just one time? Why, why seven? And then he says, why Jordan? You read your Bible. He said, are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them also and be clean? Oh yeah, Damascus, I don't have to go as far. And those rivers, my God, they crystal clear. You can see all the way to the bottom. And then, then his servant said, Master, if he'd have asked you to do something hard, you'd have done it. Well, why don't you just go wash? If he'd have said, come to church, stand on your head for five minutes, then turn right side up again, do 14 jumping jacks, 13 somersaults, park like a dog for 12 seconds, then cluck like a chicken, then make three or four laps, and then tell everybody, I am healed. You'd have done it. But all he's saying is go dip seven times in Jordan. And so reluctantly he says, fine, I'll go. He dips one time, nothing. Two times, nothing. Three, four, five times, nothing. Six times, nothing. He went down a dry leper and came up a wet leper. Let me give you some encouragement. Sometimes your pastor's gonna give you advice and it sounds like, oh, that's all I gotta do? You mean just show up to every service? You mean go to the prayer room? You mean engage in worship and sing? You mean to tell me just praise my way through it? Listen, he can't counsel out what needs to be cast out. The first Sunday might not get the job done, but if I be a man of God, he's not gonna let you come to church seven weeks in a row and not give you the miracle that you've been waiting for. And the Bible said that seventh time he came up, his flesh was like the flesh of a little child and healing is what happened. Watch this. It wasn't about the water. Jordan is a muddy river. And God looks at Naaman and says, you know what? You don't need new entrails. You need new skin. And I'm the God that made the man out of dirt. You don't need a whole new body. You just need some new skin. So I want you to dip seven times in this nasty, dusty, muddy river Jordan. And the seventh time, we're going to be sure that that sediment has gotten all over your body. And if I created a man in his entirety out of dirt, I know that in seven dipping times I can give you brand new skin it's about the dust if you're having problems in your flesh if you're having problems with lust and greed and porn I've got a God that said come to church take me to the river and drop me in the water and if one time don't get the job done I've got seven and when I come up it's winner winner chicken dinner I've got a feeling. 
brought Jesus. They brought Jesus, a blind man. And the Bible said he was blind from his birth. He never seen anything. Not one thing ever. What's Jesus do? Y'all remember, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They are much higher. But think how you would feel if, if I walked up to you and said, oh, you're blind? Watch this. <laughs> See, here's how you've traditionally preached it. That Jesus just took dirt, rubbed it in his eyes, and told him to go wash. I look at it a little different. I look at it from a John 1-1 standpoint. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Who is the antecedent to him? It's the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. So in his preeminence at Genesis, when he said, let there be and there was, that was God in eternity, but that was Jesus in reality. And so he said, you know what you need? You don't need new skin. You don't need a new heart. You don't need new goods. You just need new eyes. He spit on the ground, made him two new eyeballs, popped them in his head, and said, now go wash all of that off. And the Bible said he saw every man clearly. It's time for you and I to return to the dust. And when we can see, we'll lift up our eyes under the hills. We'll look on the field, for they are white already under harvest. You see, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus knew. He said, I started out, I started out in dust. I, I started out, I started out this journey with nothing but dust. Isaiah 53, he said, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. And when I come up from that that dusty place. I want you to understand, I got here in the dust. And the Bible said at Calvary's cross, he said, I thirst. I thirst. And so he left here in a dusty place. And so I'm reaching for somebody on this Sunday morning that says, God, I need to start over. I need a, I need a brand new beginning. I have... I have messed up. I've fallen short of the glory of God. This happened to a woman that was caught in the act of adultery to which as a pastor I would have to say, what were you church folks doing to catch a woman in the act of adultery? Because there's one thing I've learned in 20 years of pastoring that 90% of all of my problems can be eliminated by staying 100% out of everybody else's business. I, I used to watch them old elders preach and I knew it was getting serious when they would point their glasses at you. 
And I said, I will never do that. I'm never going to be that old. I ain't going to looking over the top of them yet, but I'm old enough to point them at you. If you want to have a revival church, seek restoration. Don't worry about what they did or who they did it with. Just know that you've got a church that believes in the God of another chance. You've got a church of people that are justified. Such were some of you today. So, watch this. Jesus, she's in adultery. She's been sleeping around. So what does Jesus do? The Bible said he stoops down. And he just starts writing in the dust. Now, you can take this any way you want to. And if I'm wrong, your pastor can clean it up on Wednesday night. But watch this. What did he write? Some people say he was writing what they were before they were chosen. I don't believe that. Some of them say he was writing scriptures. I don't think he wrote anything. I think he was just picking up that dust. And he would look them in the eyes and say, Y'all church folk are made out of the same stuff she is. And what every single one of you need to do is return to the dust. Because had it not been for the goodness of God, had it not been for the blood, had it not been for the Lord Jesus that brought me from a mighty long way, I too would be the adulterer. I too would be the addict. I too would be the sinner. And so he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible said from the eldest to the youngest, they walked out and he looked at her and said, go and sin no more. I'm reaching for somebody that'll step out of your chair and march down to this altar and lift up your voice coupled with your hands and say, God, I never want to forget what I made out of. If you're not perfect, come on. If you're not flawless, come on. If you don't have it all together, come on. I'm not perfect, but I can be forgiven. I'm not flawless, but I can have a fresh start. Come on, when you step out in the Holy Ghost, you're returning to the dust. Dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. Come on, church, dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm blessed financially, but I don't ever want to forget where it came from. I look apostolic from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, but I don't ever want to forget where I came from. Right now, I sing, I play, I preach, I serve, but I never want to forget where God brought me from. I've not arrived. I've not apprehended. I don't have it all together right now, but what I do have is some dust. What I do have are the materials 
that God used at the beginning. And if God can do all of this with dirt, then my God, what can he do with my life today? Dust thou art, and dust shalt thou return. Would you lift your hands all over this building? And would you pray aloud with me today? Come on, true church. Let there be a roar that emanates from this hallowed edifice. I'm just dirt that's here to give you a word. You are dirt. Receiving a seed that will not return void. Hallelujah. 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 Come on church, Jesus is riding in the sand today. Nobody has to walk out of this building wallowing in self-pity or condemnation. to walk out of this house without knowing I get another chance.